2: You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute, and a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1 from racing to politics, tech, News and business. This show is often safe for work. We're keeping it clean here sometimes, Joe, so that you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joining you from the safety of a bright blue shed. But now I'm joined by a man who was described by an F1 boss on this show as scary because he always had an inside track. It's the breathtaking Joe Sayward. How are you doing, Joe? <laughs> I'm out of breath.
3: That was very exciting. Thank you very much. What a fabulous intro. What more can I say?
2: Carter says, Joe was scary. He always knew something, but he did it in a friendly way.
3: Well that's yeah, that's true. I try to be friendly, but sometimes people put comments on my blog that don't deserve friendliness. But there you are. So um most people are jolly friendly. Formula One, they're quite friendly too. Apart from there's a list I could go from the top downwards, but I can't be bothered, so there you are. Well, people will have to wait and see you in London Live, but
2: we'll we'll get to that later on. Um talking of your blog, Joe, I've been reading it. And I oh God. and I like it. And the people who comment on your blog, on the whole are actually a pretty informed bunch. There's a certain sort of tone that I haven't found on any other
3: forums or comment sections. That's because we, we and I use we collectively, um, beat anybody who comes in and tries to be silly um, in, in a suitable fashion. Because, let's face it, we're trying to create a uh, an interesting conversation. We don't need some wacky nerd from Sheffield coming in going... <laughs> Yeah, that's enough about you, Santino, whoever you are. Yes. (laughs) Is that one of the trolls from your blog, is it? Well, he was, he used to be, but unfortunately he's been, he's no longer welcome. He has left the building, I believe the term is. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to make people leave the building. I can, I can zap people electronically. It's fabulous. I, I
2: do love looking at the comments on, um on the podcast posts when you put them there. Uh, I've got a couple of them. If you don't mind me reading them out, I've got one well, it from d-
3: it depends what they say, doesn't it? You know,
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got one from Cardance who said spanners is cool. So obviously I'm going to read that one full of crack on his own. And I'd rather see him than the FIA press conference with all those dumb questions all over and over again. Yes. My questions are slightly above dumb.
3: Yes, they certainly are. And I agree with that entirely because the FIA press conference is all about people grandstanding um, and trying to get on telly um, and not about actually wanting the answer. So that's why you don't hear me very often. If I want to have some fun, I'll go along and do it, but I don't do it very often. The, the, The other thing is, why would you ask a question that everybody gets the answer to? As a journalist, you want your own answers. You don't want everybody's answer. So you may think that you are behaving like some sort of vanguard of of uh international good and honesty but the truth is you're just giving away all your good stuff and as well the fact is the guys in the room they
2: might get that information but it's been leaked out onto the internet by the time they can write it
3: it's on, it's on, on sky television for, for sake i mean oh, beep. sorry i'll beat myself <laughs> this week shall <Alan. laughs> i some some half-brained imbecile agreed to put the fia press conferences on television which means that they are completely useless to the journalists who are there nowadays. So, you know, if they took them off television, I mean, OK, admittedly, only 12 people watch Sky. But, you know, <laughs> well, you know, there's not a huge number of people paying to watch the FIA press conference. But the fact that it's all uh, public information effectively means that it's worthless to us. So that's why you don't get any good questions. We had a
2: great insight into the um, F1, uh, sorry, press conferences from Matthew yesterday. And he was describing a time when he completely lost it at, at a journalist and sort of started kicking off at them because they were grilling him about expenses. I don't know if you remember that.
3: I don't remember it, but I can. I, I don't know how some of those people deal with some of the journalists who ask some very, very stupid questions. Yeah,
2: He actually said that afterwards you came up and sort of, you know, unarmed round and kind of said, you know, from Uncle Joe, you did all right there, son. You, you said the right uh, thing. Oh, did I?
3: Oh, it's- I'm far too nice then.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. It'll tell you who's not nice on your blog is um, Suze, who says, uh, here we go. I think it's near the bottom. Uh, Just listen to the podcast. Not normally apt to comment on things would be better without the Wally hosting does she mean you that's, or me?
3: That's not very nice I, in fact Suze, if it's the same Suze I know, which it probably isn't, is a jolly nice person so she lives in Australia and she's the godmother of my son so um, I doubt it's her it's probably not her, it's probably someone else called Suze so Suze, be nice the world is too, too, too short a place, I, you know what I mean time is too short a thing to worry about whether or not everyone's a Wally, we're all Wally's occasionally. I can be a bit of a Wally anyway so that's fine and then finally
2: Martin Bennett who reminds us of the line from last week what's a NASCAR and your reply it's a kind of taxi without the light on the top and it says he nearly crashed his car laughing so uh, I do enjoy I just enjoy all the comments on your blog post I think you've got a really nice audience
3: there Joe I have to say by the way that the NASCAR finale yesterday night was fabulous and it was it's it's really weepy stuff the man who won it was terrific Um, he struggled through all kinds of difficulties this year. He won the eighth race and he won it by about three and a half inches. Um, and his wife's got cancer and it's just, I mean, it's everything. It's everything you can imagine for a finale to be, um, And it was great showbiz. So I may be rude about NASCAR, but it is great racing. So um, I'm not really rude about it. I was just being, you
2: know, taking a cheap shot. Oh, of course. And I do keep meaning to sit and go, I want to watch a NASCAR event because I'm a big fan of like American movies, especially sports movies. And they, (laughs) they glamorize NASCAR so much that I am kind of drawn to it a little.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think it's i mean, it, it's terrific. It's a terrific show business thing. The only thing you can say about it is that perhaps it's a, bit, a little bit too showy. But I don't mind that sometimes. It depends what you're going for. If you want pure racing, um, you're not going to get it there. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who say you don't get pure racing in Formula One. Wow. Particularly if you look at the budgets that Ferrari have. So there you are. Oh, Well, you
2: can watch um, Test Match Cricket or you can watch 2020. It's all there. It's all cricket. So
3: yeah. I've, I've no idea what 2020 is. I'm foreign, remember? Uh, you did do a
2: tweet saying that you were settling down to watch the rugby. And I was trying to reply to you, what's a rugby? And Twitter wouldn't let me send that tweet. So I took that as advice from Twitter and just, you know, let it go.
3: <laughs> I watched uh, France playing um, Australia, I think it was. Um, or maybe it was South Africa. I mean, it was that impressive a game. But... Um, <laughs> Actually, it was South Africa and the South Africans won and should have won by more. So uh, anyway, its uh, I mean, it's sport. That, that's what I like. It's its what sport's supposed to be. It's, 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 it's two teams fighting one another on a fairly equal basis, which takes me back to Ferrari again. <laughs> Don't worry, Joe. We'll get there. Don't
2: worry. All I'm uh, concerned about right now is that you are here and you are safe. And I'm saying it in jest, but it seemed like it was an extraordinary mess out in Sao
3: Paulo for you lot. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as it looked, but it was a bit, you know, um, it's always been the same, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo a rough old town, and there's a certain little bit of it where it just gets very rough. So you have to go through there at high speed. And so if there's a red light in front of you as you're passing through this particular neighborhood, one does tend to ignore it. Um, and uh, we actually did sail through the red light. I think it was on Sunday night. Uh, most the other th- the other problem is, of course, there's too much traffic, so you can't sail through it. But yes, there's a bunch of people with guns, and they come out and uh, ask people for money in in the in the nicest possible way, of course, by sticking a gun in your ear. You know,
2: but these are people who presumably are very comfortable with a gun, and that's the atmosphere that you're sending that whole F1 circus to. Is is it really too much to say? Let's just not go there if we're going to get the guy's guns you know, stuck in their
3: faces. Uh, it's a very good question. I don't know the answer to that. It, it's That's above my pay grade uh, in lots of ways. Um, I'm not particularly excited about going places where they're going to shove guns at you. But then again, you know, one trusts the people who are doing the deals. The current deal in Brazil was done by one Bernard Charles Ecclestone. So we must trust him. Familiar. Uh, and, um, you know, maybe when it comes to an end, the current lot will say, well, thanks very much, Brazil, but we'll go somewhere else. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see.
2: I mean, I think I'm sort of disjointed with a lot of my friends. And we've come from kind of a heavy engineering background where they kind of say Ah, oh, health and safety. It's garbage. But for me, you know, death only has to win once. And it's racing. It's not it's not the Wild West. If you don't need to be there, I'd say avoid that risk.
3: Well, yes, I tend to agree with that. And I think that, you know, let's face it, it's just a game. It's a big business, but it's just a game. And we're all reporting on a game. It's a, it's a great livelihood and have a great time. But it's not worth getting shot for. Um, And so, yeah, maybe that's right. Maybe we shouldn't go there. But, you know, you, you can get shot in lots of places these days. Hell, you, you get shot near Austin if you go to a church. You know, and, and it's – it's should you bleep that, I suppose? I don't know. What but, church? <laughs> nah, we'll tolerate them. Uh, it's just the way of the world, you know. We live in a strange uh, world, and sometimes you just have to put up with it. We've had all kinds of funny things threatened, but generally speaking, Formula One uh, has tended to avoid too much difficulty, with the exception of Bahrain a few years ago, where it was a bit lively, but it wasn't. It wasn't anywhere near as bad as some of my colleagues in the press made out, and that's something which you must bear in mind: is that you have a bunch of people who are uh, trying to dramatize things more than they are as well. Yeah, of course. And maybe I'm guilty of doing that here, but I'm just glad that, you know, you didn't run into any trouble. No one tried to steal money from you. Well, they did. The hotel stole money from me, but there you are. What can you do? Um, you know, at least they didn't use a gun. They only used a credit card, so Fair enough.
2: Um, so next stop is Abu Dhabi, and we have a question from Anil, who's part of our little crew, who is wondering what is your opinion on Abu Dhabi as the season finale because in his opinion, he says, because it's not a good track at all. Something I actually disagree with, Um, Neil. um How is that circuit viewed from within the paddock? Uh,
3: I, I, uh, there are two ways of looking at it. One is, they pay the most money and therefore they're the last race and therefore it's good. Two, they put on a good show. There's lots of concerts. People like going there. Um, at least the punters do. Um, I don't really care to be honest i mean it's 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 in a good time zone for the world uh it's easy to get home um we don't consider a six-hour flight to be long <laughs> so getting home is actually not that difficult you know so after coming off a 13 or a 14-hour flight um it doesn't matter really. At the end of the day, what matters is, is do we have a good time? Was it a good show? I tend to agree that there are better racetracks to have finales on, Interlagos being one of them. But having said that, the time zone's not as good.
2: So the chat room there, Michael Howlin saying, Brazil's problems are much bigger than F1. Maybe a year or two out wouldn't be so bad. Uh, When TB? Brazil really have to get their mess sorted out. Almost too far down the rabbit hole though. Uh, Brian Waltz I think is uh, saying, oh damn Joe, because you'd think you dropped another bleeper on there, but I'll have to go back and scroll through the edit. Cormac saying no more street races. I agree with that
3: as well. But I will disagree. with. No, no, A- I, I absolutely disagree with that. What, you've got no to have street, street races? races. Why, Joe? Yeah, because you... of the spectacle. If you haven't been to see one, you've got to go and see. Go to Monaco. Everyone says on television Monaco is boring. Go and see it. If you go to Monaco and come away saying it's boring, you have no soul. Okay, but how many Monaco these people, hang on, races? These people are... <laughs> Bonkers they drive racing cars through the streets inches you know it's like driving through the eye of a needle. They're completely insane, and what they do is wildly impressive, so the fact that television doesn't get it is a fault of the people uh who are wielding the cameras and doing the edits because it is fantastic. The drivers love it, the spectators love it. the press love it. The photographers particularly love it um so if it's being presented badly. Um, there's a problem that needs to be fixed. So my argument would be,
2: though, that in the next twenty Monaco's, I might get out to one, maybe two, if I'm extremely lucky. The we'll vast majority of the time, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to work a lot harder. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, of course, there is the case that yes, it's it's just a thing that's there to be enjoyed if you can enjoy it, and if if you can't enjoy it and be there, then that's just not a thing for you. There's plenty of things in the world like that. But the vast majority of the audience is a TV audience, so could they not do more to help on those street circuits to make it a bit more interesting?
3: Well, you could knock down some buildings, but I think the people <laughs> in those buildings would probably complain, wouldn't they? I mean, yes, you can. If you, I mean, Formula One has tried this in the past, where you where you build a racing circuit and then build a city around it. Um, and Abu Dhabi, to be fair, that, that was originally the plan there, to have a, a city built around it. They haven't built the city yet. Korea, a bog in the middle of nowhere, was going to be a city. I like that track. Well, maybe you did, but it was a bog in the middle of nowhere in <laughs> South Korea, which, to be honest, and it took forever to get there as well. And the hotels were all You can bleep that if you like, but that's the truth of it. Um, and it was a dreadful place, which we left very quickly but um, I'm sure somebody got a pile of money out of it. Daddy,
2: what's a beep? Uh, Artemy X says the recent Macau F3 was also mighty impressive as a street race suitable for F1? No. Too, too
3: narrow and twisty. The did, sports did, car did, crash. Did you watch the GT race? It was incredible, so, yeah. So it was. That's ridiculous for Formula 1. It, it's ridiculous for Formula 3. It was a very exciting race. I accept that. But I do think you can have a race in Macau, but you have to have a different circuit. But you can do it because they've just pulled out half the sea into a bit of land. And you can build a new racetrack if they want to. They've got money coming out of their ears. It's gambling heaven.
2: Excellent. Right. I was going to say about Abu Dhabi, though, that it's a good race track because there's good racing on it. Those two long straights with the chicane in the middle, that, that always creates some interest.
3: Yeah, but not much overtaking, to be fair.
2: Well, I like it.
3: Well, I, I accept you may like it. I like Monaco, but there's never any overtaking there. So it's you know it, it's just part of the game, isn't it? The trouble is that the person who designed lots of racetracks in the last 20 years never had a clue how to design overtaking into it. You can do it scientifically. Unfortunately, the man doing the circuit design was not doing things scientifically.
2: Well, presumably he has been penalised financially for that and is living destitute somewhere.
3: I, I fear not, but he should be and I, I i hope also that he doesn't get any more jobs now we have a different um uh, organization running the show let somebody else do it because there are other people out there who know what they're doing
2: you get the feeling though that liberty are not going to go and build racetracks you they feel like they're going to you know go and find some of the classic tracks perhaps
3: um true which is not necessarily a bad thing i, I think the day of building these sort of disneyland kind of complex is like shanghai or whatever long gone Um, and I think that that's probably a good thing because why in the world would you invest two or three hundred million in something that you can't guarantee is going to give any money back
2: Um, if you don't care about the finances of your country and you just want a big showy thing to get celebrities into your land yeah that's true Yeah, I'd I'd make a great despot I should definitely do it (laughs)
3: That's what my wife always says. Anyway, there we are. Um, I, I I don't know. I think despots are overrated. You know, look at poor old Mugabe. You know, you you end up getting into all kinds of trouble. Poor so fella. So you can ble- you can you can bleep the poor. You know? Poor fella. He's hardly he,
2: he's, he's he's due a break, isn't he? Poor lad. Yeah. Poor lad. Yeah, he's getting bo- on all both
3: right. legs. Hopefully. Yeah. Well,
2: one guy. One guy who really is due a break. <laughs> is two-time world champion McLaren driver Fernando Alonso and it's been really painful watching him at McLaren Honda a kind of a wasted generational talent but recently he's kind of said he's going to drive for Toyota and do some WEC and this next season has all the hallmarks of a bit of a farewell tour
3: yeah but you know Fernando Alonso went where he went at his own volition he made his choices and he got it wrong (laughs) so if he went to the wrong places, he can't blame bad luck or the world. He has to blame himself going to Toyota to win Le Mans may sound like a really good idea, but then you look at it and you say, well, exactly who are they racing? Now, Toyota is going to have a factory team against two genettas and a bloke from Russia, you know, so it's not exactly. And you know, the chances are that the Toyotas break down and Charlie Chan racing from China will win, you know, and it's, it's, that would be really embarrassing. So um, I, I just think the whole LMP1 situation is is a bit silly at the moment.
2: Yeah, but it's for Fernando Alonso. It's just a way to kind of release himself from this underperforming prison. Do, do you think if Renault start giving them an engine and he starts performing well, he might go? Nah, WC silly.
3: No, because he should have won five world championships. He's won two, and he's not going to win the other three in the meantime. So he now has to find a record that makes him somewhat famous. So um, the, the best thing to go for is the so-called Triple Crown, which has only been done once by Graham Hill, um, which is the Indy 500, the Le Monde 24 hours, and the World Championship. There are other guys who've done things – Almost as impressive. You know, the World Championship, Indy 500, Daytona 500, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Sebring 12 hours, Daytona 24 hours. There's lots of different combinations, but this is the one that nobody else has done apart from Graham Hill. So that's mm. what he's after.
2: Hmm. Places, numbers absorbed some of that. Uh, Matt Trumpets is asking me, it was Honda stopping him doing this? Is this something that he now that Honda well, have nearly gone, he's
3: free? If I was Honda, And my driver with Honda written on his chest is driving around in Toyota, (laughs) your number one enemy. I would suggest that probably they wouldn't be too happy. Did they not get on? I I have no idea why they didn't. But, you know, the fact is he's leaving at the end of next week, I suppose. And they didn't really. He probably told them to um, go forth and multiply in Spanish or something. I don't know. But – I have a vague suspicion that they won't be happy about it because to- Honda and Toyota is is, is not a happy it's not a happy um, alliance. Fair enough, but it's also it's also deeply unsubtle on the part of Fernando Alonso. You know, I'll just I'll just kick my engine supplier in the teeth one more time. Yeah, but he doesn't care, does he? He doesn't care about that. He likes it. Yeah, but maybe that's why he's only got two world
2: championships. Yeah, it's a fair point. But if he misses any F one races next season. Which he, he won't he won't Are you sure no, he, won't. he definitely no, he won't. won't because that leads me to catman's question it's not his real name he's a vet he calls himself catman his name is chris he is asking you about who will be coming into f1 soon and it occurred to me that you've seen this conveyor belt of young drivers coming through into f1 many many times and i've never really sort of grilled you on that process who better is placed to, to see how these guys develop because So Lando Norris is being, is installed as the McLaren reserve driver. So he could realistically race next season. We've seen it happen. We've seen four or five reserve drivers.
3: Yeah. 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 Uh,
2: So is that someone that you've seen that is talented enough to now hop into a race car next season and not look daft?
3: I think he's probably, uh, what he did in the, he did a test in Hungary with McLaren, which was very impressive. So, Yes, he can probably do it. Charles Leclerc will be able to do it next year. He'll be in a Sauber. They will announce that, I believe, this weekend. Really? Um, And he seems to be very good. So, you know, you you have to look at them as they come in. Sometimes they come in, you think, wow. Sometimes they come in, you go, okay. I mean, you know, I can't say I was overly, wildly excited about Lance Stroll coming in. You know, he'd won the European F3 championship, but... You know, it wasn't awfully exciting and to leap in from Formula 3 was perhaps, as they used to say in wartime, a bridge too far. And I think he suffered from it this year because he's, you know, he's been trying to learn too much too soon. But if you look at Bottas at the same time, he came in from GP3 directly with a few years of testing. Um, And in the old days, drivers regularly used to jump in from Formula 3, but the FIA won't let that happen now because they've got these super license points, which incidentally have just killed the Renault world series as was uh, it's not there anymore next year because nobody's doing it because they can't get into um formula one directly because the super license laws won't let them so how do you think that's
2: affecting the general state then of this f1 feeder series ladder because three 3.5 reno 3.5 has has yeah. been involved in that process for a long time
3: and it was a cheap way in and a lot of good guys came through 3.5 but it's gone now and that pushes everyone into formula 2 which means that uh formula 2 makes more money which it shouldn't be the primary motivation behind doing it uh, but it is um and i think that it's um i understand why the fia is doing it but i don't think it's necessarily the right thing what they need to do now is to squeeze down on formula 2 and gp3 stroke formula 3 whatever you want to call it um to stop them overcharging for parts, for example. I mean, they are, these things have profit margins, which are like 20% and they don't need it. They're not there for that purpose. They're not there to make money. They're there to help young drivers come up. All you do otherwise is make the sport all the more the prem, the, uh, the, um, uh, the place where rich kids go, you know, rich kids or people who get picked up by a driver scheme. And if you get picked up by a driver scheme, that's terrific until you get dumped by the driver scheme Schema, and then you end up like Danny Kviat, who's in free fall now and will end up probably you know, driving a larder around somewhere.
2: Uh, Don Byrne in the chat room says, the walls of the world can breathe easy, given that Leclerc is now the Ferrari young driver at Sauber. And I'm guessing that that's a reference to Giovinazzi not getting that seat.
3: Well, Giovinazzi should have the other seat because he's, he's the guy who is... um. He's the next in line, but it seems like the team want to keep their Swedish person instead. So there you are. I'm not sure I entirely understand the logic of keeping somebody who's not necessarily quite good enough just because they happen to come from that country. But there you are. Uh, The team owner has the right to do what he chooses with his money. So it's just pure patriotism then, you think, just so that the Swedes will tune in? I I can't think of any other reason why you'd be doing it. I mean, he's a nice fella. um, He's got great hair. He may, he may have great hair and he may be a nice fella but he doesn't drive fast enough uh, and and score often enough to make him a proper formula one driver so my argument would be time to move on and i'm sure there's a job somewhere in sports car racing for him and um you know find formula one's supposed to be about the best not not about the nationality of the team owner Absolutely. I think Ericsson would
2: make a fine scuba diving instructor if he were to just get in the sea, Marcus Ericsson. Uh, so when we're talking yeah, I'm
3: about... sure he's tried several times at Monaco, you know.
2: So talking about what makes a good Formula One driver or what helps somebody make that step forward, how important is personality? Because, as you said, with Alonso, Alonso has probably been difficult over the years. Um, I believe that Renault have abandoned Formula E just to get away from Sebastian Buemi. Uh, Ricciardo probably got the nod because he's very marketable and very friendly. And h- how it's much got that charisma? nothing to do with
3: it? It can't have nothing to do with it. It's got nothing to do. Look at Kimi Räikkönen. He is a, <laughs> he's a charisma bypass operation. <laughs> Um but it's deliberate. He's not really like that. He's pretending he's pretending to be that. But he has he has managed to perfect that to the point at which some people actually think it's cool, which is beyond my comprehension. Um but it is you know, he's deliberately trying not to, to be interesting. So you know, some some of them are dull. Yeah, it's true. But it's only because they're not confident. If they're confident, they won't get into trouble. Um Then they'll come out of their shells and become much more interesting people. But unfortunately, we have this situation where they're all pursued around by press officers with microphones who record everything they say off the record and on the record. Um, And so they are just, you know, they're paranoid about saying anything wrong, particularly when they're young. When they get older, they can say to the press officers, go away, (laughs) go and pick flowers or whatever else. But at the moment, when they're young, they just don't know what to do. So they just do what they're told. And there's very few of them who have the confidence when they're young. To say things like they really mean it.
2: See, Kimi Raikkonen's from my generation. I think we're probably just about the same age. And we are that generation where everything was lame. You couldn't ever say anything was cool. You couldn't be excited about anything. You had to pretend everything was boring and ordinary. Cause you were so cool. Uh, but this generation coming through led by Ricciardo. I mean, Ricciardo on his interviews, he just tries to say the most outlandish abstract thing he can. He's kind of like, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the comedian's name now, the one who does bake off, uh, you know, a, a sort of, you know, alternative comedian coming out in these interviews. And it's a, a breath of fresh air. So I hope there's more guys like that. If you look at Nando's social, Lando, Lando's social media, he, he's also very expressive. And just hope he can carry that through to F1.
3: Well, we'll see how he does. But basically, it's to do, it's not so much to do with the drivers, apart from the fact they are, some of them are lobotomized when they're in Formula 4. But, you know, they just need to be confident. And if you talk to a young driver about it, he says you're just so terrified of saying the wrong thing because you can lose your
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full turns at mintmobile.com.
1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com
3: drive and it's you know because if you say the wrong thing your whole dream can go up in smoke so it's better to say nothing and be boring do we think that
2: that happened to Gasly when he first didn't get the Toro
3: Rosso drive Gasly's Gasly's been a bit of a uh, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for Uh, a demolition derby when it comes to (laughs) PR so far but good for him in a way because you know at least he's saying something but you know if you look at Max Verstappen He's quite interesting. He's not he's not dull. Uh
2: James Funnel's helping me out. No, sorry, Christopher is saying, uh, Noel Fielding. James, no, it's not Sue Perkins. Don't because I would have read that out if I'd have seen that comment first. Uh Makatsu Key is asking, Hi, can you please ask Joe why no one asks Ericsson? Uh why no one asks Ericsson what really is his connection with the Salba owners. Everyone is playing dumb. Is it is it more than just a shared nationality?
3: It's that's all it
2: is fair enough there we go he's the,
3: he's the only swede around at the moment there's another swede with a totally ridiculous name called gustav malia nothing to do with the indian uh, who's in formula two and he's probably the next swede in line uh, and if ericsson doesn't deliver this next year i have a vague suspicion they shall punt him off to be an ice hockey player or a big hunk lumberjack or whatever he looks good at uh, and get this guy malia in who i to be honest i've never met but he drives occasionally quite fast.
2: Hey, I'm in favour of having a token Swede. You know, positive discrimination. I like it. Why? Because you need a Sweden. I don't know why. And and also, and some Japanese. Let's get some Japanese in there while we're at it.
3: Well, you know, based on that theory, let's get a Chinese bloke who can't drive around anything. Formula E did
2: it for ages. It was hilarious.
3: Yes, I know, but it doesn't really help anybody, does it? I mean, it would probably help if we had a, a decent Chinese driver, but we've seen this before. We've seen this with Malaysians. We've seen this with Japanese. They keep trying to put ones in. Honda used to do it, Toyota too. Let's put our latest Japanese hero in. He must be, he must be good enough to win. And they, they've been getting better slowly over 30 years. <laughs> but um, you know, so far we haven't seen any Chinese bloke who looked even vaguely helpful. Um, it's a bit like Americans too, you know we haven't had a decent american uh, I mean Alex rossi nearly there um but in terms of somebody who can who can hang in there in Formula One, we had Scott Speed, which was like ten years ago and then it's you have to go back to Eddie Cheever in the eighteen forties you know
2: you know what it's the same in podcasting. I have two token Americans on my crew, and you just it's a failed experiment, but we're sticking with it for the moment uh James is asking there in the in the in the chat room um how aggressive are these press officers will you get like scowls when you ask the wrong question or you know are they just there to record things are they interacting with the drivers or do they interact with the journalists as well
3: well they try They try. <laughs> i um i generally don't use them to be honest uh, i've been around long enough if i wanted to do something i tend to do it but sometimes i i play by the rules because it's nice <laughs> um And, but I do find it offensive when you, when somebody sticks a microphone in among you, just, you know, I'm doing the recording. We don't need you recording it as well. You know, it's just being a police person. And, you know, why do they need to be pleased? Let them get on with it. More questions from the chat
2: room. And this is your fault. You and your popularness has made this the busiest chat room we've ever had. And they are asking you, what is the truth behind the rumors that Verline is difficult? to work with because it looks very much like he is out of a drive next season.
3: It does look like he's out of a drive. And is he difficult? I don't think he's difficult. Uh, I think he, he was a little bit um, self-confident when he arrived. Let's put it that way. you got to be. Yes, you do have to be. But I think he was a little bit over the top. Um, uh, I think he's shy. I think he's very talented. But I think his fundamental problem is there's a bloke called Esteban Ocon who came along and sort of blew him out the water. That doesn't mean just because he's not as good as Esteban Ocon doesn't mean he's not as good as um, Ericsson. Marcus Ericsson. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's better than Marcus Ericsson. It's very clear.
2: Yeah. But, everyone is. But, yeah. No, not everybody. Maybe his brother's not, I don't know. He's got, there's another
3: one coming no, through, isn't there? There's, there's. I mean, Formula One, actually, to be fair, Formula One, the level of driving ability in Formula One today is higher than I've ever seen it in my career. So even if there's a couple of vaguely weak ones, um, they're not weak like some of the, you know, like Johnny Carwash or – a couple of others who I could name if I could remember them. They were so impressive, I've forgotten their names. The Earl of Blanket, Biscuit Ford, or whatever it was. No, he was all right, actually. Was the Earl Was Um Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there was one. Johnny Carwash, Giovanni Lavaggi, was pretty useless. Um, and there was a bloke whose son is now racing. He was dreadful, too. Um, he was a Swiss chap, but I can't remember who he was. So, there you are. Fair
2: enough. Let's get on to... Uh f1 business and f1 politics where do we start with do, do, uh, branding liberty or payments let's do payments because you produced a very impressive graph on how f1 payments work did you did you make that yourself i did and it's yes. on your blog joe saywood at wordpress.com
3: No, not even even close. Come
2: on, just type Joe Sayward into Google. Google knows where you're trying to get to. Joe Um, Blogs F1. Joe Blogs F1. But the graphic is incredible. It's a really good sort of primer for someone who doesn't understand the financial situation. You show them this and you say, this is why the small teams are handicapped. This is why you've got a revolving door at the bottom. This is why there's not as much competitiveness in the midfield up to the top three as there should be, when you see it in black and white, it's stark. The first thing, apart from the obvious, which is Ferrari's overpayments, the gap between sort of third and fourth, I think it is, is in the region of 50 million. So what's yeah. the incentive to push that from that gap from third to fourth?
3: It's, it's insurmountable. It is insurmountable up to a point. And the thing is, the difference is that there are people who are racers and, and racing is not about making money. It's about going racing. And so people are always going to try and close the gap. You know, a few years ago, you couldn't imagine it was possible for anybody like Red Bull to come up and build up from where they were to where they are now. So, you know, you have a, you have a, a Benetton, which is now Renault, has slid downhill. Williams have gone downhill. McLaren have gone downhill. So things come and go, and you've just got to work at it and keep fighting. But… It's an unfair system. It's clearly unfair, and I'm not even sure. What you have to remember about that diagram is that they don't put this in press releases. That has to be dug out and found, and it's very, very hard. It's taken me the best part of 25 years to work it all out, and I don't think there's everything in there. I think there's even more money that goes to the big teams. Well,
2: thank you, you know, for for putting it that that way for us simple folk, you know, to see. But poor old Red Bull, eh? All they had was a dream, a hope, and billions and billions of dollars in software (laughs) drinks money. So, you know, perhaps not quite the plucky underdogs you
3: describe. No, but but British American Tobacco or Toyota had loads of money too. And what did they do with it?
2: And indeed, Ferrari have loads and loads of money. And apart from a very spawny 2007 driver championship, they've really not had the results to show for it. No, they've been rubbish,
3: I think is what you're looking for.
2: Uh, I like Jill Villeneuve's comment, which I found in the comment section of your blog. When you go to Ferrari and you see the facilities, the test track and everything else, you wonder how they ever managed to lose a race. Then over time, you see all the politics and intrigue, and you wonder
3: how they ever managed to win one. How clever. clever. I would agree with that. I I mean, it is a fact that Ferrari, uh, if left on its own, without people coming in from the outside – uh just becomes like the Borgias, and they they all murder each other. um What they need is someone like Jean Todd, who is um single minded who cuts off all the rest of the world around them um and let them let the race team get on with it. But if you leave Ferrari in its own sweet way, it always seems to end
2: up failing okay, but Christopher Fonseca in the chat room is pointing out that poor, poor Ferrari lose a hundred million pounds. Per year, so we can't be too hard on them, can we, Joe?
3: What do you mean they lose a hundred million per year?
2: Well, this was the article doing the rounds lately. Absolute. <laughs> Hang on, two seconds. Uh, oh, sorry, four minutes bleep. in. Abs- <laughs> One thirty-five. believe Absolute tosh. But, I mean, that that's that's the figure that has been gripping F1 circles this week. Uh, if you speak to the F1 fan on the street, they'll tell you now that Ferrari lose money being in F1. You know, bully for them helping F1 out
3: with their presence. No, they don't. Ferrari are making a profit from their F1 program. And if they pull out, they won't make a loss. It's just It's just tosh. It's being written by people who are trying to prove a certain point because they're arguing it from a political standpoint. Well, is it more than political? Because
2: I was listening back to our last chat and and you made the point that Ferrari is owned by shareholders and therefore the share price is affected when you say things that are positive or say things that are negative. So with... All this talk about, um, you know, Ferrari leaving, there was a very negative backlash towards Ferrari. Could it simply be a case of we have to appease our shareholders by saying lots of positive things like how much of a profit we make? uh, Sorry, about how valuable we are to F1. But
3: it wasn't Ferrari who said it. It was a journalist who said it or a supposed journalist. So it has no foundation in reality. I see.
2: What is a part of reality, though, Joe, is that F1 branding is changing and changing for the better. Had they not employed somebody using 1990s graphics, uh, I was fully expecting one of the F1 logos to be proposed using wingdings, uh, but that hasn't quite come to pass. They're terrible. The proposed new F1 logos are terrible.
3: Yeah, but let's face it: if you're a, uh, if you're trying to exercise the ghost of a previous dictator,
2: um,
3: <laughs> do you want to use the same symbols? you know the answer is probably not so you want to change it the logo that formula 1 had in the old days well, up until this week <laughs> um is fine it it it's it's but it's dated if you look at it as well uh, it's 28 years old i think and um you could chart it up a bit um but fundamentally it's not awfully tart tartable tar- tar- whatever the word is Um, We could make one up. tart Yeah. Well, I I think they just decided, well, I think the two of those logos are put in, you know, they put three in for trademarking. Two of them are clearly decoys to to confuse everybody. Um, And I would say the one they're going to use is the one which looks like a bent motorway going into a a head-on collision with another motorway. Yeah. um, Yeah, Yeah. Which is F1. You can clearly see it says F1, and you can probably make it look quite nice if you put some color in it. So I don't think it's as desperate as it seems. Um, We just have to get used to it. But, you know, people don't like changes, and that's one of the things about Formula One fans that we see time and time again. If they change anything, everyone whines and whinges.
2: Lurch is saying, new shaver spanners? You're looking very prepubescent today. No, I'm just in HD. So you can see the excellent shaving job I've done. Uh, Lance Lassen is saying, please don't stop at the top of the hour because I think they're enjoying your insights, Joe. Uh, And Paul Wright says, you're bang on uh, about that logo. But I didn't like the old F1 logo. I never saw that there was a white one, that the gap was a one?
3: You and about thirty percent of the other people in okay. the world have never seen the one. Seriously, no.
2: I-, I thought the red bit on the end was meant to be like a stylish one, and I always thought it's a bit naff.
3: Yeah, well, it- it's it's just a three dimensional uh, logo in two dimensions. It's very clever, uh, but you know, half the people didn't recognise it. So uh, I think it's good to have a change. The trouble is, you're starting the whole process from nothing again. You have to brand build, and that's a big old job. So. If they're going to do it, let them get on with it, you know, and I think that's what they want to do. They just want to, really, they, they just want to throw the baby out, the baby out with the bathwater. And, um, you know, when the baby is still wailing and causing trouble, sometimes it's best to just sort of hold him under the water for a while, you know. Are you suggesting that Bernie isn't going to slip off quietly into the night? He is not going to slip off quietly into the night. I think he's proved that. They've pretty much shut him up this year. But, you know, now he thinks he's got the chance to make some wailing noises. He's doing it so anything substantial joe
2: what what no really
3: well he's saying he's saying that it's bad and manufacturers will put out a formula one we all know that's not going to happen because formula one he has built such a successful business that they won't leave they'll complain about it they'll whinge they'll gripe but at the end of the day is there any other sporting thing that will get you into the into the high street in umbola umbola in uganda And the answer is no Formula One will. Football won't do it because the man in Umbala, Umbola doesn't know if Liverpool's playing Bayern Munich tonight and which championships he in and who plays for who. Whereas in Formula One, you've got 10 teams, 20 drivers, and it delivers a much better message than football.
2: Ah, the days in, of my teenage years in Umbala, Umbala. I met a lovely Parisian girl there whispered sweet nothings into each other's ear and then she disappeared into the night Brian Waltz is suggesting they blew all their money on the event in London so Carrie's nephew in kindergarten designed the new logos so I suggest then that Carrie's nephew just colour in that one a bit it doesn't seem too hard to me colour it in just like a light blue and then we'll all be able to see it's a one and the mystery will be solved forever but is this going to be the start of proper branding for Formula 1 because when I try and go and buy merchandise I look at the prices and Sure, I could physically hand over my credit card, I could physically hand over that money, and I could own that shirt. But a lot of F1 fans are in my demographic. I'm a father, I have active young children and a family, and I just can't justify a cap and a shirt instead of two go-kart sessions for my son. And if they just did realistic branding... Long term, that's going to have far more effect. I just, I look at that merchandise, and I cannot kit out my boy in Mercedes colours. It's too dear. I just, I can't bear to
3: part with that much. yeah No, but this is this is part of the the whole Bernie Eccleston era, which is this exclusivity. Everything's exclusive. Everything's exclusive. You look at NASCAR; they they make much bigger numbers on merchandising because they sell them at prices that people will pay. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's very simple. Nobody wants to pay sixty pounds no. for a T-shirt. It's absurd. Should or kill me. 30, 35 pounds for a baseball cap. You know, the only people who buy that should be hit over the head with a baseball <laughs> bat. You know, it's just insane. But they, you know, this is what they've got used to underburning. They've got to learn to do it properly in the world. You know, if you go to Disney, they will they will go to Disneyland and you you will go home with merchandise. You will wince when you buy it. But they've got it priced just about where people can afford it and you know that's the difference
2: yeah and it's just it's not i mean even if you look at the stands at silverstone it's eye-watering so yeah i I hope that they can do things because i would like to have an f1 mug i would like to get an f1 branded lanyard for my work security pass but they just don't do these things they you can't (sighs) drape your f1 fandom and shove it in everyone's face like i want to
3: well just wait a little while because sean bratches and uh Chase Carey will change that, I'm sure. Okay, so you had an idea, though, that perhaps
2: we should put it out to tenure or put it out to a competition and let all the F1 fans uh, do their own doodles and send them in.
3: Well, why not? What have you got to lose? I mean, yes, I, mean, I know that a bunch of people with pigtails and red-rimmed glasses will go, oh my God, this is impossible. I mean, how on earth can punters do it? But the fact is that you know the more people you use... Uh, the more chances are you get something interesting. So um, if that's the best that the world of the the uh, design can come up with, let's just see what the punters can do. Low stealth. Carey said that FOM only had
2: one person doing worldwide marketing when they bought it. That's true. That's true. That's not an exaggeration. No, that's so, true. But that's not enough people.
3: Well, it was enough for Bernie Ecclestone.
2: But so is it just that Bernie's interests were so kind of tied in with say and now I want to be careful what I say but with track deals with team interactions and he got money outside of needing to engage with people.
3: No Bernie's said to me on several occasions that his customers are not the fans. His customers are the race promoters and the TV companies and they have to deal with the fans. And so he didn't really care. And if if you don't get your T-shirts because it's too expensive, he didn't care. He once said, I said to him one day, you know, why have you seen the numbers that NASCAR is making out of merchandising? And he said, I'm not a T-shirt salesman. <laughs> and he meant it. He just wasn't interested in it, you know. And I said, well, you know, it's an awful lot of money to be leaving on the table. But then again, he left a lot of money on the table in lots of different ways. But he was making enough that he was happy and he didn't have to deal with stuff he didn't like. So that's what it was all about. He was playing his games, getting loads of money. Why would he bother worrying about all the rest of it? He wasn't trying to turn it into the world's greatest sport.
2: And he wasn't trying to get the opinions um, of the general population. There's a lot of very, very talented uh, guys up there. I use freelancers for graphics, or I used to, before our listeners uh, pitched up and started producing fantastic graphics for us, but if you go out into that freelance world, and you go even beyond the UK into Eastern Europe, into Africa and Asia, you see there are a lot of very, very talented artists out there who unfortunately get paid zero, but uh, if you crowdsourced it, you would get something uh, absolutely amazing, and one company within F1 who has gone to the people to get them to decide a thing is Pirelli, who have decided to bring in an extra soft tyre with uh, a pink rim. And inevitably, this is going to end up
3: being called Pinky Muck Pink Tire, isn't it? I don't know. I don't understand what Pirelli's doing, to be honest. I I don't get their <coughs> philosophy of producing tires that fall apart, and how this makes them look good. You know, I, I just think the whole thing doesn't really work. I mean, the, the problem is it's a very tough sell for anybody to come in and supply tires because how do you prove that your tires are good if you're not in competition? We can't really afford to go into competition again because if you have a tire war, things get silly and it gets dangerous too, which is um, something that has happened in the history of Formula One over and over. If you start having tire wars, they start putting all kinds of funny things in the tires and they start going bang. So, um, So it's better to have a single supplier, but then what do they get out of it? You know, it's a difficult one, but I, I just don't understand the Pirelli logic. I don't understand why they need another tire. Um, it's complicated enough as it is. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows which? I mean, half the time you can't even see on the telly which ones they are. And also, the other thing is, of course, that the, the um, we 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 survive in this um, world where it's supposed to be high tech, and nobody actually tells us what the tires are. Yeah, you know, when you have a pit stop, it doesn't say on the TV such and such is leaving the pits with a big color blob or a big letter going S or SS. Maybe that's because they're not allowed to use that or something. But you know, a U or something, so you know what's going on. It's just it, it, it's daft, really. Yeah, I mean, even you hear the commentators having to guess what it is. I mean, it's
2: the old crank it up to eleven, isn't it? Why have an even softer tire? Why not just make the the softest tire softer?
3: What? Well, well, I think, I think the answer was that they had a race, which was Mexico, where they needed a soft tire, um, which is a completely different uh, requirement to all the other s- circuits. And so I think they just sort of stuck another one on because there's other places they need softer tires. But you know the other thing is they have to choose the tires weeks in advance. So you can't take into account weather. And, you know, the other thing is you have these tires that are designed which have s- such tiny little sweet spots that half the time the guys can't make them work. And that affects the racing. It affects results. It affects world championships. I just don't get it. But there you are. What do I know?
2: What do you know? You've only spent your entire adult life uh, studying and chasing up Formula One. Uh, I thought you might have an answer as to why we even need to know exactly the hardness of the compound. Surely we only need to know it relative to that race. So whether you you supply three races, uh, three compounds Mm. for that race, the softest one, the middlest one and the hardest one. We don't know need to know whether it was harder or softer than yeah. Monica Monza Canada.
3: No, we don't. Um and the fact is you just need to have tires at that work. That's all. If you have tires at that work that's fine. The trouble with having tires at work is they work on one chassis not the other chassis, so you know. It's it, it's very technical and very complicated, but at the end of the day, you know, there was a period when we one of the tire companies was building tires specifically for Ferrari, wasn't there? So Bridgestone.
2: Yes. Yes.
3: I didn't say that.
2: Yes, I know. But you can't say everything you want to say here, which is why you put on events where people can pay a very small amount, Joe, £39 to come and see you in Knightsbridge. And you've invited me there. And I, I listened back. I didn't quite catch it. I think you used the words guest of honour. I-, I may be paraphrasing, uh, but I-, I will be there. Well, I
3: think I think half of that might have been right. Like, guest of. <laughs> yeah, the answer is Guess- guest of, Joe. Just- say there we are so yes yes you are you can come along but if loads of other people want to come it's jolly fun it's like this but um with more interaction because you don't have to go through you you know oh, you don't have to go through the wally asking
2: questions i will heckle from the back you know
3: you will not or you'll get thrown out that's the good idea i have to get the heavies in Fair enough. Uh, so I would like to bring my own heavies
2: and make sure that people who uh, are fans of this podcast, believe me, it's an amazing thing to be able to sit here and pick and choose what to ask someone like Joe Sayward with all his experience. Uh, so make sure you come down. And when you're bored of Joe, when we've you know packed him off drunkenly to the hotel, uh, you and me, we can go to a nightclub and I can remember what it was like to be 15 years younger. Uh, but I am going to stay. I'm going to stop and get a hotel, so I'll be having a beer. I think Z Van Jean is going to come down. Chris Stevens is going to come down. Uh, a couple of the patrons are going to come and join me as mm. well, I think. Um, what can people expect? What can we expect when we sit down uh, for an audience with Joe? I assume they've installed uh, <coughs> a, a lemon tree inside the meeting conference room. So you, you sit under the lemon tree and we all sit in a circle
3: and patiently await your wisdom. This, this sounds like something out of the Charles Manson story, doesn't it? No, you sit in a room and you ask me questions. And whether it's a good show or not largely depends on the questions I get asked. So there's alcohol that you can pour down your neck. There's food to eat halfway through. You can meet all your friends. You can have a nice evening. Um, you can listen to me or not as the case may be. Um, and if I drink enough, it tends to get more exciting. So, um, And it's jolly fun. What I would say is that this one is quite busy. So if you want to uh make sure you have a ticket you need to sign up because it is capped at numbers it's capped at 100 because otherwise there's too many people um to ask enough questions so if you want to come book early don't try and do it on the last day so um it's
2: on joe blogs f1 and yep. it's the top blog post at the moment isn't it so you just click
3: on that you should also tell them the date perhaps which is december the 1st friday which is not long now you're good at this uh, I may have
2: done it before. Hurry up, guys. Come and book and uh, see Joe in London as well. But when you say that it says Joe podcasting, it still says side Pod. And I was, no, I was so hurt. No, it no, I it saw it the other day. You've changed it. Well, the other day is a long time ago. So we've made it. We've we've made it onto Joe Sayward's podcast. No, I didn't
3: page. say you've made it, but the others have been deleted. Oh
2: no, <laughs> you're too embarrassed at this point to be associated. I didn't. With I
3: didn't. I didn't have time to sit down and work anything out neatly. I just deleted the other one. So there you are. Okay, that'll do. That'll do. Burn all her <laughs>
2: photos yeah burn all the memories (laughs) okay joe thank you very very much for joining us in the podcasting do be sure to go and check joe out by typing joe saywood he does a great blog follow me and the show at spanners ready and the show at Mist Apex F1. Go to mistapexpodcast.com and you will see there on the home screen all the previous shows we've done. We've had interviews with Matthew Carter. Go back and check out when we had a chat with Mark Priestley and when we had a chat with Jack Nichols, who I think forgot that he was on a show that other people were going to hear. He seemed very comfortable. It was a very honest interview. It was lovely to hear from him. Go and listen to some of the back catalogue stuff and the tech shows with Summers. We are going to have an end of season tech wrap-up, which is going to be Fantastic! Come and uh, look at the YouTube for that to catch the video version. So go to YouTube and search for Missed Apex Podcast. Click on subscribe, click on the little bell, and you'll get a notification every time we go live. We will see you on Sunday, 8pm for the Abu Dhabi Race Review. Until then, remember that wounds heal. Chicks dig scars and glory last forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. He's on the telly sometimes. <laughs>
3: getting away with these, Joe? Yeah, why not? Well, right, They're only I... have to. You only have to bleep a few things this time, so.
2: I forgot to write them down. I think it's just going to have to go out. I think people are just going to have to accept that.
3: Uncle... Well, I used the word I... at one point, I think, so. Um...
2: I've got to actually beat that because I leave this little trail in at the end as well. Ah, parents, I'm sorry. Uncle Joe teaches your kids new words. I think that's just something we have to accept.
3: <laughs> okay, children, this is what an <laughs> list is.